Sarah. It's another week, another podcast, another great podcast coming up. (laughs) Who knows if it will be good or not? Who knows? I feel like this is probably the week that we are the least prepared. So I'm all in and excited on that. It's you all are going to be going on an adventure with us. So uh, (laughs) apologies in advance. (laughs) So Sarah, what's what's new in Feisty World? We'll start with that. In Feisty Land, yeah. So last night, Tuesday night, um, we we launched our newest podcast. It's called Hit Play Not Pause, a Feisty Menopause podcast. Um, and it's part of our new kind of, um, what do you call it, brand, I guess, around Feisty Menopause. And uh, basically, we're hoping to like help uh, women who uh, need information during that time in their life. Cause I think like active performance minded women don't have anywhere to go for that kind of information. I know we talked about this earlier. Mm. Um, but we definitely, there's, I definitely see questions like from friends and all around the internet about how to keep being active and performing during those years. And so we decided to take action on that situation. Um, and we had like the live launch last night and Sarah, there's like 10,000 views on Facebook already. Um, what? Yeah, that is so, so awesome. Mm-hmm. So the host of the podcast is Celine Yeager, who wrote Roar with Stacey Sims. Like she took Stacey's information and turned it into like something that's readable for the average um, for the average person. Um, and so her and she had Stacey on as her first guest, and and we uh, recorded it live. And so that like live video of that recording was what we did. And it took like it might, like we were live on four Facebook pages all at once we had people at like answering questions live and it was actually probably one of the biggest virtual events we've done as a company um where we actually had a substantial number of people in the room like when we hung up the call there were 2,000 people on watching hmm. um so I was quite proud of it um and I'm very very happy for this new thing that we're doing well there there's there's definitely a need um uh, I I mean obviously you know that and you uh You've talked about that before on a previous podcast. I would say one correction that if you are a male coach, if you work with female athletes, if you, you know, if your partner is a female athlete going through menopause, then that's also applicable to you. So it's not just for women. Um, Oh, absolutely. I definitely know tons of male coaches who've talked about trying to work with uh you know amateur triathletes going through that phase and they're clueless they have no mm-hmm. idea how to manage that time so it's it's performance i mean it's human performance yeah. and i think we have to really think of it that way it's not just uh you know for women mm-hmm. <laughs> I totally agree. And it's it's interesting because I struggle even like three years into this media project, I struggle to find language around um, create the kind of content we create because we're like women led and women driven and we make the content is by women, but it's not necessarily all for women, right? So like we tend to like super niche women's things like as if they're, as if we're not 50 plus percent of the population just like women's things are for women but men's things are for everybody (laughs) but that's obviously not true so like if I say we're creating content for women I feel like I'm continuing to categorize in a way that's Mm. not helpful so like we're we're creating content by women and sometimes about women or women's experience but it's definitely content for everyone so I'm I'm totally on board with your thought there 
Well, I, I do think it's interesting because even our podcast, yes, we are women. And we, I know we have some male listeners, um, but we're going to automatically be pigeonholed into being a female triathlete podcast. When mm-hmm. let's be honest, most of the time we don't talk about triathlon and we very infrequently talk about, you know, things necessary exclusively from the female perspective. Um, yeah. Totally. It's so true. Yeah. We're, we're neither a podcast about women nor triathlon. <laughs> we're mostly a podcast about animals and whatever random things we come up with for the week. <laughs> That's, I think we should make that our tagline. <laughs> Speaking of taglines, we were trying to think of when we were doing the, the run list, we were trying to think of topics. And so coming up on the show we're going to talk about people still doing things <laughs> um kelly sent us a rant last week that we promised uh about cars so we're going to play that and talk about that uh emotional decision making and we're gonna uh, talk about listener feedback as well hey sarah i have a riddle for you what's refreshing oh. great any time of day and super awesome oh my gosh is it the if you're riding podcast Oh no! Wait. By the look on your face, it's not. It's it's noon. Yes. It's noon, isn't it? Ding ding ding! You got the answer. Woo! Okay, friends. Seriously, Noon Hydration has been a sponsor of Live Feisty and this very podcast for a couple of years. They are amazing. They are supportive, and we all get thirty percent off with the new code. Note the new code. Live Feisty. Um, at noonlife.com. So use the code livefeisty, E before I, at noonlife.com. I'm Sarah Gross. And I'm Sarah True. And you're listening to If We Were Riding. So Kona's coming up and no, it's not not for another year. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> you and all the triathlon media. It's driving I me nuts. I, every day I'm getting these random requests for interviews and things. And I'm like, everybody say it in the, the subject line, it's Kona something. Mm-hmm. But guys, we're, not doing Kona this year, including what including is, me, who y- sent you a request yeah. to be on Hannah's cooking I show. I didn't give you a hard time. I'm not giving a hard time, anybody a hard are. time, because honestly, I have nothing against it. I just think it's really funny. And I would love to know from your media mogul perspective, like, what's going on here? I think there's a void in, I think like people, like if people, if people are going to suffer with the lack of triathlon this year, like Kona not happening and, and not having anything to focus our attention on right now in the fall is going to, I, I think there are going to be people, not just people who regularly go to Kona, but also people who regularly watch Kona who are going to be, feel that void. So I think the media outlets are just trying to help fill that in. Um, I know like we are planning some 
kind of fun content, fun feisty content you can imagine. Um, I don't, I don't know. There's the virtual, like there's the virtual event that Triathlete Magazine did. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you, I mean, maybe you see it more than I do because I'm only going to see it coming like once it hits the internet, right? So because nobody's asking me for interviews, I'm just creating the content I'm creating. Yeah, I think, let's see, I'm, I'm doing Breakfast with Bob. Um, <laughs> is there a full lineup of breakfast? With yeah. Bob's? Yeah. Which is awesome. Cause Amazing. I love talking to Bob Abbott. Yeah. Uh, what else? Uh, I'm doing something for GTN. So global triathlon network. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I've gotten a couple, although what we're doing has nothing to do with Kona. It really has nothing to do with triathlon. The thing you asked me to do. Oh, the, uh, the cooking show. Yeah, I don't know if we're allowed to talk about it or is we're it top to talk secret. About it. We're allowed to talk about it. So Hannah Grant, if anyone knows Hannah Grant, she's the Tour de France chef from the, the Amazon Prime show Eat, Race, Win. Um, and she's doing a cook a Kona-themed cooking show. Although we can't call it Kona because Iron Man... Let's talk about this. Iron Man trademarked Kona. It's a town. How can yeah. they do that? Because you can trademark something in relation to something else. So like you... We can say Kona in relation to, I don't know, cars, and that's fine. Um, but we can't say Kona in relation to a sporting event because now, as a company, we can't. Like, you and I can just on the podcast casually, whatever. We can say whatever we want. But I can't brand something Kona. I can't sell t-shirts that say Kona in relation to a sporting event. A cooking event. show? <laughs> oh, no. So we changed the name of the cooking show as well. Okay. So now it's called Hawaii something. I don't know. Um <laughs> But, but like, (laughs) isn't that crazy? Like, remember how, I don't know if you're like, you've been to, like, I've been to Ironman World Champs for like every year for 15 years, right? And for most of those 15 years, the non, like anyone who's non-Ironman related uses Kona on all of their Mm -hmm. gear and their t-shirts. So like all the brands have like Kona, like, you know, Kona 2010. I have like Kona. 20 everything t-shirts right um and every kind of branding thing cycling kits everything so now we're not going to be able to use Kona anymore so you're going to start to see brands using like Hawaii I I don't know what it's crazy and that's Mm -hmm. that's new as of this year obviously yes as far as I know as far as I know or just went through this year um I just heard about it this year. Yeah. We we started on my team. We were joking. I think I could say this because like I say things about Ironman all the time. But like we were going to call it like big bully sports <laughs> event. <laughs> like instead of <laughs> That's big bully funny. company owned sports event. That's what I'm going to call it from now on. Yeah. I like it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. I, I get the impression that um, a little bit of fun Kona themed media is is going to land pretty well in um at this time especially when it's fall still COVID all kinds of weird crap happening all around the world so yeah um that's my feeling yeah I mean I'm I'm happy to be part of it too because I mean I'm I miss my community but it is kind of funny that there's no triathlon and yet we're all talking about triathlon I haven't done one in forever (laughs) Exactly. No, I, and funny, I like we, we talked before the show about my comment that people are still doing things. Um, but one of my thoughts when we were talking about triathlon content moving forward was that a lot of people are stuck or I see um, businesses stuck in like there's no triathlons. What do we do? 
Mm. you know, kind of banging their heads against the wall, like not. But the more that I look, say, on my Instagram or elsewhere, like people are doing some really cool shit right now, Mm. you know, and people have a lot of people have pivoted to some really interesting and neat goals. Um, Sometimes it's like fundraising or doing like Everest, Everesting, um, mm-hmm. like just like long distance stuff like that, taking on trails they would never do, um, FKTs, uh, stuff like that. Like just because so people, so my comment is like people, performance minded people are still doing performance minded things um, and figuring it out and have used that energy in other places. So I think there's still from then from to take it back a step from the media perspective, like there's still interesting stories to tell. And that was the context of our conversation um, in in my team was that like about storytelling and and what kind of stories can we tell? It's like we don't need races to tell interesting stories. There's tons of them out there. Yeah, well, I, I see that with uh, Iron Woman podcast. And yes, they've, that they've done a really good job of cranking out content, and it's mm-hmm. it's these are triathletes doing cool things. They're triathletes doing stuff, if you will. <laughs> they are indeed. So that was this. This is my big insight for the day, folks. Remember this: people are still doing things. You're welcome. It's a thing. So just for context sarah's saying that she was not feeling particularly articulate and then followed up with i had this brilliant idea earlier for the pot for what we're going to talk about people are doing stuff (laughs) (laughs) so i'm glad you were more articulate in talking about what exactly is happening and you know your thought process <laughs> explaining the fudge <laughs> explaining the thought process behind it is always the secret um, okay and you know who did a good job of explaining her thought process about cars oh who kelly, kelly omera <laughs> she has some strong feelings not surprisingly mm-hmm. all right kelly let's hear your voicemail Hey guys, I was listening to your rants episode about buying new cars while I was uh, stair hiking and I found, so I have a rant about buying new cars. Um, My rant is about not buying new cars and so I felt like I needed to, uh, I found myself delivering the rant while I was walking up and downstairs because I don't talk to you guys anymore. So here it is. So I don't believe in buying new cars. It's stupid. You shouldn't do it. Here's why. First off, financially, it makes no fucking sense, right? As an asset, it, like, it's the only asset where you put, what, $10,000 in, $20,000, and it immediately loses value. It's like 30%, 50% devaluation immediately upon driving it off the lot. That makes no sense. There's not another thing where you would do that, um, where you would put that much money into something that depreciates immediately. Can you imagine if you put $10,000 in the stock market and they were like, okay, you'll never get that money back. Good luck. Like, makes no sense. So then you have to be valuing it purely on the like the use of it, because you're never going to get your, your investment back. So the second problem I have then is like environmentally, it makes no sense to be buying a new car because you're, now this wouldn't be true if your only options for used cars were, you know, gas guzzling piece of shit that like wouldn't pass smog. Then like, sure, buy a new car. But it's 2020, your options for buying used cars are pretty good. You can buy like fuel efficient used cars, not a problem. So then... Instead, you're buying a new car and the the amount of resources that go into something new and something that big new is just insane. We're like on this treadmill, hamster wheel, 
whatever you want to call it, of like new crap that's bad for the environment. And you're probably getting rid of a car that's perfectly fine in a lot of cases. I mean, or you're you're adding a second car, right? An additional car. So you're just adding driving, adding gas guzzling. And I mean, triathletes, triathletes and their fucking driving. Like, when did Land Rover or Subaru Outback become the official car of the sport? I got news for you guys. Like, you can fit two bikes, all your equipment, in a Prius. You can fit, I saw a smart car with a bike on the back of it at Indian Wells, and I was like, I want to be that person's friend. So, on a realistic level, the biggest thing we can do for the environment is not buy a new car, buy used, reuse, use until it dies, and then not buy a big car. Buy like the smallest car you need because you know that once a year when you are going to put six bikes in the car and four friends rent a car for, th- for the four day trip or whatever. Like that's way more environmentally friendly. So I don't believe in buying new cars financially, environmentally. And then my last one was like fucking morally. Like why do we believe that you have to buy a new car? That it's some kind of mark of adulthood to like not buy used cars. That like Everybody acts as if, oh my god, this is my first new car I bought. It's how I finally made it. Like, it's as if you have to check off these things that you have to do to achieve real adulthood. And and buying a new car is something that any real responsible adult... Like, screw that shit. That is fucked up. Like, there's no reason to buy into society's crap. You do not need a new car. All right, so that's my my mini rant. Um, Obviously, I don't give a shit about cars. I don't care about cars. Uh, Basically, just buy friends' cars off of them, so I'm on the, like, reduce, reuse, recycle portion of things, um, and I get that there are people who care more about cars than me, but, guys, new cars are stupid. Um, I also have a lot of stored-up rants because I don't talk to you guys anymore, so maybe I'll just send them in now as voicemails. All right, thanks, guys. All right, sir, I think we can both agree, and probably everybody can agree on one thing from this voicemail, She's absolutely right that the whole, the second you drive off the lot, how much your car depreciates in value, that is just silliness. And that is something that I have a hard time wrapping my head around. So I definitely, I'm with you on that one. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I don't know if Kelly brought it up, but um, there's definitely, you and I have talked about this a lot, like the way that people make decisions is definitely more on an emotional process, especially with cars right? Because people, people use cars for status, right? People drive cars because it's fun. People drive cars that, you know, they like it or they, like, you can tell yourself something too. Like you can say, I need this Range Rover because I need to fit my bike in the back. But do you? <laughs> well, let's take one step back. In an ideal world, in North America, we would have much better public transportation, you know, that is fueled by renewable energy. So very few of us would actually have cars. Mm. <laughs> but we live in we live in car culture in part because of, you know, we've systematically dismantled public transportation systems and we're really scared of investing in them. Um yeah. So hopefully Kelly, you're taking up with all of the politicians, you know, trying to get them to invest in public transportation because that would be super awesome. Uh, but let's just accept that most of us have cars. You and I have both purchased new cars. And I was wondering what your decision-making process was with your vehicle. 
Okay, this is that's an it, that's an interesting question. I want I actually want to go back a step too and mm. say, um, and Kelly knows this about me too that I like I actually didn't learn to drive until I was forty, um, and I yeah. <laughs> You guys should see Sarah's face right now. Um, and I like, and part of that was because, well, first of all, I was a teenager in the Middle East, right? So I didn't really need cars. There were a multitude of cheap taxis to get around town. That impetus to learn how to drive just wasn't there like it would have been if I'd grown up in Canada or if I'd been in Canada at that time. And then I I did spend a few years at university in Canada and I didn't need a car because I was on a university campus. And then I spent most of my 20s um, in Scotland, in Edinburgh, and then in and then traveling with the sport. Like I'd spent three months in France, three months in Spain, three months in Australia, like that, like get mo- for most of my 20s. Um, so I didn't ever have that, like the need to get a car. And I, and especially like living in Edinburgh, like you did not, like a car would have been a, it would have been a nuisance right? Like I never would have driven it. And, and you can take the train. If you want to go somewhere, you can take the train. There's public transport. I rode my bike everywhere. Um, and then the first time I came back to North America to start racing, I went to Ironman Wisconsin. Um, and I was shocked. Like, I don't think I probably hadn't been to North America for four or five years. And I was shocked that I couldn't get around. Like, I didn't, I hadn't thought about like where the hotel was in relation to the race and all those kind of things that I then later learned I had to strategize around because I didn't drive. Um, but I, like at the time I was like, what, there weren't even sometimes, there weren't even like sidewalks for me to walk to the nearest supermarket from the hotel. Like I, I was kind of like floored by this. And so that's why like I had this firsthand kind of experience of coming from, um, coming from Europe and coming back to North America and going, oh, this is a different place. <laughs> um, hmm. So yeah, I have since, um, I have since gotten my license. Um, and when I bought my first car four years ago, I, um, I had a budget that was $5,000 <laughs> and I took my $5,000 and I went around to all the, like all the places where you can buy used cars. And I just bought one and handed the guy cash. And that was that. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. So did you put a little bit more thought in this time around? A little bit. Yeah. Um, so this time, so basically that car that was $5,000 four years ago, as you can imagine, was kind of on a sl- its last legs. Yeah. Right? Um, Which does lead me to a bit of a tangent. So yeah, tangents are good. Uh, I, I would say, Kelly, that in an ideal world, your friends with the cars would drive them until they die. You know, like the fact that they're passing, selling them to you, maybe you should, you know, encourage them to drive them for a bit longer because especially with uh, hybrids and EVs, so much of the environmental cost comes with the battery. So it isn't until, at least I know for hybrids, it isn't until you pass, um, I think it's 100,000 miles before it becomes environmentally friendlier choice than a gas engine car. So, you know... Normally, because of marketing, we think, all right, I have this hybrid, I have this EV, but the, you don't be, and we're told that it's this great choice. uh, But if you're not driving it more than 100,000 miles, then you're not getting that benefit because the upfront environmental cost is so high for creating these batteries. So that's just a little side tangent. Okay. Mm. So continue. (laughs) Um, 
like, where do I go with this conversation? Okay, so in January of this year, oh yeah, my, your car, my car. In January of this year, my my little red tw- 20, 2007, I think it was Pontiac Wave was like on its last legs. Um, and I was, I remember saying to a friend of mine, like, I just hope my car makes it through the year, like until, until I can afford a new car basically. Um, and then when, uh, we started looking at, um, when I started, yeah, we basically, when the company made a little bit more money this year and I was like, okay, now I can look at getting a new car. Um, and honestly my car, (laughs) there's there was already something wrong with my car. Like it's making weird noises. I don't know. I was half expecting it to like, just not start one day and it, be gone forever <laughs> so anyway I started thinking about getting a new car and I wanted to buy an EV um and so yeah and so then I just started looking into it and we get some significant government rebates here in in Canada and also in BC um and also BC is going um is going kind of as far I mean probably going all electric in the next sort of like 20 to 30 years so um yeah and anyway and so I'm like, well, I might as well just, for the same reasons you said, like if I'm going to drive a car now for the next, who knows how long, like I'll just buy one that I'm going to, I'm just going to keep it that I like. And so that's what I did. That was yeah, my decision making process. That, no, I think that makes sense. We we were, we really wanted to get an EV, but um, I don't, we just weren't totally sure that the technology is there yet. And mm-hmm. um, so it's the kind of thing where we feel like probably in a couple of years, mm-hmm. but at that point we already have the car, so we're not going to be replacing them anytime until they die. So it's going to be a while, but the next generation of cars, um, probably these batteries are going to be so much better, but also uh, it's 10,000, it was $10,000 more, something mm-hmm. you have to think about. And for us, we don't have solar panels on our house. We don't have renewable power here. So the, the electricity that we get, is uh from fossil fuels so Mm. you know this this was definitely something that if you live in certain markets um or if you have solar panels and definitely something you haven't you put into consideration is all right is this is this so much better but the truth is like we didn't sit down and do the environmental calculations you know and then you factor in the additional cost involved um like a lot of this comes down to knowing some information and coming out with an environment or an emotional response where you're like, ah, I guess this is what we're getting. Yeah. And I think that's how most of us buy these things. Yeah, I agree. I th- I think, um, first of all, like from the beginning, I accepted that I was going to be making a decision based on, like based on emotion, like that there was no way I was going to learn, sit down and learn everything I needed to know about all the factors going into it a decision like that just probably wasn't even worth my time um, mm. <laughs> to be honest yeah um I, I our power here uh on the island comes from it's hydroelectric mm. um so that's definitely a factor um and also like in my head I was like okay everything I already know about EVs um and the fact that I'm planning on keeping my car for at least a decade like those things just went that was kind of my very simple way of putting two and two together um and making yeah. a decision. Also, it's really, really fun to drive. And like the pickup on those cars, like it's like you go from like, you can go from like, it's even like you go fast quickly, like the acceleration is a very, very quick. So you can, like it can be fun to drive even if you're not going really, really fast. So even just like corners and little like, and all of those things, like having something that's actually fun to drive 
it's like it depends how much you drive but it totally makes my life (laughs) are aren't you happy that like part of it is just the contrast I'm guessing from your Pontiac (laughs) I mean let's be honest yes 100 percent like I could have driven any other car and it would and it would have been amazing yeah yeah you you upgraded in a massive way but you know what Sarah you deserve it but the the fact that Sarah the fact that you have hydroelectric there definitely makes a difference. I mean, EVs EVs are the future. Mm-hmm. My understanding. I think so too. I'm just an early adopter. You're an early. I'm on the, oh I'm on the cutting edge, TikTok. Sarah. <laughs> First the TikTok, then it's the your EVs. Wheels, EVs. What's next? There's no limits for me. <laughs> the wait, was the faux fur uh, things that you sewed back in the day? Oh, you think that was cutting edge? I don't know. Was it? Like probably. Okay. I don't know. I feel like um maybe okay maybe like uh, identifying cultural trends has been like a thing for me. Like when I had my hat business, it was like at the time when um there was certain like there was they were making sweaters and other things like out of socks like you know those old wool socks that like a fisherman might wear like that are gray with the red stripe. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay, so I'm a few years older than you, so you might have been too young to remember this trend, or maybe it was like a Canada thing. I don't know. But like we had, they they were making sweaters that had that looked like these socks. Like it was, and they were so popular, and people were, and so I was like, I'm gonna make hats out of the socks. You made hats out of socks? Yes. Yes. Do you remember when? Not. I did so. It was called. (laughs) It was called. (laughs) I can't even. This is my first company, and it was called Sockers. <laughs> do you have any photos? Because I'm just imagining, like, gym socks sewn together. Okay, not gym socks. You have to imagine, like, wool socks. Okay, wool so- gray wool socks, okay. and they have, like, white on the toe, white on the heel. Okay. And then they have, like, white around the, like, the top, the top part of the sock with, yeah. like, a red stripe. Can you imagine those socks? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, like, those socks have, like, come and gone from, like, being cool yeah. or being trendy, I should say. Um, and then at the time, they were, like, super trending, right? And, and so I just decided I was going to make hats out of them. And then, oh, and at the same time, um, snowboarders and skiers were wearing, like, those floppy hats made out of fleece, like, that sometimes had the long things at the back or oh, had, like, yeah. big jester hats. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, okay, so now... The feet of the socks are like the jester hat part. No. Yes. You had sock feet hats. Sock feet hats. And you made I, you made money? I funded my masters like this. Oh, with sock foot hats. I totally did. Okay, not only that, but Sarah. Oh, the story gets better. Okay, so... so I like... This was, this was like... This is like... um. Sarah Business 101. Okay, I I calculated how much, how many hats I was going to have to sell in order to fund my master's, like for each year, for two years in a row. And I made exactly that number of hats. <laughs> and then you I spent the summer making the hats. Wow. But you should and, have really made more. And then you could have gotten yourself a car. Right. Oh, wait, not a car. No, you didn't need it. And you couldn't drive it. <laughs> Right. So like 
business business sense girl over here was like I didn't think like that like I didn't think I was just like I'm gonna do what I need to do so then I made all these and then I used to go to like um like craft shows you know like Christmas craft shows or place where people places where people were like I didn't I had a few in shops um but not that many because there was a bigger markup in shops right so I would just sell them myself at these craft shows (laughs) and and I used to come go to that was so fun I'd go and I'd come back with like these rolls of cash you know um anyway and then at the end of the two years like I had a decision because I got a I got like a really big order and there was a company that wanted like 30,000 of them or something stupid right so like I had to decide whether it was going to be like a real company or not and I decided no that I didn't want that to be my life um and so then I shut it down uh and um someone else I don't want to say stole the idea, but totally stole the idea. And then, and, and he still has a hat company. That's this. That's the, that's the hat. So you could have invested a whole bunch of money and time into something that was a, tr- a passing trend. Right. Yeah. You so know, to come full would've... circle on that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I, I didn't want to do that. Like I that thought, okay, if that's the trend, so then what's going to happen next? Is like I'm going to have to think of the next trend or the next trend, and I'm like, no, I'm just going to go do my PhD now. <laughs> yeah. So what do you so. what do you make to pay for your PhD? <laughs> <laughs> what was your business that got you through that? What was my business? Uh, no, I just at that point I just you know most PhDs like you have fun you get funding from yeah various yeah. sources so that's yeah that's how that went but this is this is funny. when you're supposed to make up a, a company I know and I should have so I, I still it. am halfway convinced that like the sock hat is not real <laughs> <laughs> do I need to bring out the pictures I have yeah I, I, they're not like within reach right now but they're totally... they're not nearly as absurd as is in my head right now <laughs> oh they are no Sarah they are like if you're imagining things with floppy feet, like that's yeah. utterly absurd. Yeah, that's what they are. And I lined them with fleece because like wool is itchy. Yeah. So that was like the main work is that like I had to put the fleece lining into these wool wool socks. <laughs> hey, credit to you. I am not a customer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you now- would be. You would have. You would be right. Obviously. No. No. <laughs> I apologize to any podcast listeners who is current. If you are currently wearing that hat and I am just making fun of you, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> but not sorry. And then, so like years later, after I had moved back to Canada, I was um, on, uh, I was at a friend's house in Calgary, I remember. And 10 people called me like all within the same really short window and they were like Sarah so we have a show called Dragon's Den that's the Canadian equivalent of Shark Tank mm-hmm. and they were like Sarah your hats are on Dragon's Den right and that's how I found about this other guy this other guy who um who had the company uh-huh isn't that funny wow mm-hmm. wow I mean so there you go. I guess you could have put in an intellectual patent or something so technically i do like technically i have like what you do is like there's no you can't really patent that because it's not like you can patent like the invention patent of the hat the invention <laughs> of the socks sewn together for yeah that's, that's like not a, you'll be shocked to learn that's not a thing um but but um <laughs> it's not considered an invention um 
but uh if you like if you can prove that you had the idea first so Mm. I had like you know like back in the day like artists used to mail themselves their own music and lyrics in a Mm. sealed envelope and not open it with a a stamp uh, just a postage like from the post office stamp Um, so I have all of the ideas and the pictures and stuff like stamped in a which is stamped in like a full of closed envelope that like if I want it, but I'd be like suing a guy who's ma- running a company that's not making any money. Like that's a, a ridiculous yeah. idea. Um, and who knows? Like maybe he did independently come up with the idea and could prove that it was also his. Yeah. You not know, worth fighting for. <laughs> I'm sure you'll agree. Yeah. Not worth it. I won't see you in the same life. That's okay. Okay. <laughs> I could win my respect back somehow, I'm sure, we, if yeah, we keep no, talking. Everything yeah. else, you know, you have you have my respect overall. You, you know, initially we were going to get into a serious conversation about, you know, climate change, environmental decision making. But let's be honest, th- let's just stick with this. This is way more fun. Sock hats, we don't need to think about, you know, the existential threat of climate change. And our individual decision-making when we have sock hats to think about. So let's just move on and go on to the next segment of our show here. Okay, so after the break, we're going to talk about (laughs) listener feedback. Hey, Sarah, have you seen those new form smart swim goggles? You know, the ones that have the display right on the goggle. So you can see like in real time how fast you're going and your heart rate and stuff. Yeah, I have seen them, and I'm really interested because they just added a an open water feature, which is terrific because you can go from the pool to open water and still be able to have those same metrics as you swim. Yeah, I mean, knowing how fast you're going in open water in real time is um, totally amazing. So I think it's going to revolutionize swim training. Absolutely. And if they add like a, a loon detection device to it, I'm sold. Done. And our regular listeners will know that if we were riding and all things feisty is proudly partnered with Orca Sportswear. For 15% off all items on orca.com, please use the code livefeisty15. And that includes the wetsuits. So good deals all around. If we were riding is a live feisty media production. Sarah and I are truly and grossly thankful for our sponsors, Noon Hydration, Form Swim, and Orca Sportswear. Join the conversation by following us on all the socials at If We Were Riding on Instagram and Facebook, or send me a voice memo to Sarah with no H at livefeisty.com. Also, leave us a review on iTunes. It really does help. Remember that time we were ranked like number... 206 best sports podcast in the Czech Republic. Yeah, that was thanks to you. So leave us a review. We can't wait to ride with you next week. Okay, Sarah. So you wanted to know what kind of feedback I've gotten. And I have to be honest, I've gotten uh, people saying things about individual shows. Like uh, last week, I talked about whether or not I should race. And some people kind of chimed in about that. Did people uh, think you should or shouldn't race? I know. Uh, the few people I've heard from are like, yeah, maybe not. Um, but in my imagination, 
I think people are saying wonderful things like, you know, this podcast is what you would expect from a unicorn party, you know, <laughs> <laughs> flying on a rainbow. But honestly, I have nothing concrete. I know that I can give myself feedback. Uh, I interrupt sometimes. I get too excited. We laugh too much, maybe. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I do a terrible job with the closing of our show most of the time. (laughs) (laughs) What else do I do wrong? (laughs) But overall, in my head, the feedback the listeners are giving is, hey, we kind of have fun with you two. Thanks for taking us along on our your crazy verbal adventures. I think that's about you two accurate. unicorns. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I feel the same. Like I feel we we posted a clip which will go up. Would have gone up like Wednesday if today's show is coming out Friday. Where all I felt about the it's a video clip on Instagram was that I was not articulate enough. Like I was just throwing words around. I didn't finish thoughts. Whatever. <laughs> um, but somehow I don't know. It, my team thought it was relatable. So um, I think I feel like that a lot about the way that I podcast. Like I'll start a sentence, start to go down a road. Then I realize I have another pre-thought that I meant to say to set up the sentence. So I like backtrack and say it. So I think um, it's in many ways preparation would help uh, alleviate that. But um, but at the same time, like then it wouldn't be as if we were riding. Right. Right. right? Like if we were riding, I would talk to you just the way I'm talking to you now. Um, yeah, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry too much about how I was. I would, I would worry, can be more concerned about being effect an effective communicator, like that you got the point I was getting across, rather than whether I said it in the right order. Yeah, writing with a buddy is about just chit chatting, going off on tangents, sometimes talking over them. Overall, having a good time. So that's what we're yeah, all about. There you go. So, and I, I have had a little bit of feedback, mostly. Actually, 100% of the feedback I get is like, you and Sarah make me laugh. Oh, good. Yeah. So I like, the t- I like that. And I love it when we were doing, when we were interviewing for our feisty jobs, um, one of the questions I would ask is like, what their favorite content, type of content is that we make. And like, I think 100% of the people applying for those jobs uh, said if we were writing. Yes. So I was like, although that is, I think that's probably more to do with like the segment of people who are more likely to say that they want to work with us, who are like, just, just feel like more connected to the things that we're doing. So I think that there's like, it's a self, they're already self-selecting in the fact that they're applying for a job with us, but still I'm like, I will take that. And one woman today said she laughed for 15 minutes in her car. Wow. Well, Mm -hmm. thank you. So but if listeners have feedback, actually, this all of this was to say, we would love to have some feedback. So first of all, give us a review on iTunes, because that will help a lot. Uh, just get the podcast out there more <laughs> to, to people who are utterly confused about what we're saying. Um, and then also, like, yeah, also just like if you want to send us a voicemail or talk to us on Instagram about what you think, what you'd like to hear about. Um, if there are things you actually think we could do better, we can, Sarah Con- and I can handle it. Constructive criticism. Mm-hmm. we can handle it Absolutely. I actually love constructive criticism or especially okay especially if I've said a half thought and you want to like continue 
you know, you want to push my help, push my thinking or say something like if I missed something, if I had a thought and you were like, no, but Sarah, I'm thinking, I'm also thinking this or this. Like, I want to hear those things. I especially want to hear those things. From me or from the listeners? From the listeners. So you're saying you don't care what I think about? No, I care never, immensely what you think about. You've never asked for my feedback for the show. <laughs> okay. Okay, let's do that. Let's do that. Before we go, Sarah and I are going to do performance reviews of each other. <laughs> no, we're not. A plus. A, A plus. plus. I am you're not a- biased at all. <laughs> Gold stars. <laughs> I think you deserve your gold stars, Sarah. Oh, thanks. (laughs) All right. Well, I guess that's it. We'll see you next week. And, oh, I'll see you next week. You get to hear from us next week. I'm sorry in advance for any sort of sock hat story related content. (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening to another week of If We Were Writing. And uh, stay writing with your friends, everyone. Stay laughing. None of you people can tell me to stop My town, my crown We know what it takes to be reaching the top We're reaching the top We're reaching the top We know what it takes to be reaching the top That definitely has to be edited. <laughs>